Everything is awesome. Hey, everybody, and welcome to episode 45 of the iFreak Show. This week on our panel, we have Ben Sherman. Hello from Houston. James Zuber. I just spent all week removing all the go-to fails from my code. I thought it was like a good pattern or something. (laughs) (laughs) I'm Charles Maxwood from devchat.tv. This week, we have a special guest, and that is Jonas Butelman. Hello from New Zealand. So you want to introduce yourself really quickly for the folks who don't know who you are? Yeah, I'm an iOS dev, and I've been working on iPhone and iPad apps pretty much since the SDK came out and just love what I'm doing and have made a few um, GitHub projects. And Cool. Are you the guy behind the masonry pod? Uh, yep, yeah, that's one of the projects I've released on GitHub. Cool. You want to talk about that for a minute? Just kind of explain... Ben brought up before the show that uh, everybody loves auto layout. Yeah, the auto layout bomb. I guess it's one of those things that um, divides people because it's such a different way of doing things. And you can pull your hair out quite often when something goes wrong with it or um, it doesn't quite work the way you want it to. So it's good and bad, definitely, as it's ups and downs. Yeah. Mm -hmm. How is it so different from using something like Interface Builder or does Interface Builder now use auto layout? I guess an Xcode for um, auto layout support for Interface Builder was quite rudimentary, let's say. But now in Xcode 5, it's it's a lot better, so you can do a lot of things and preview what your auto layout constraints will look like in different uh, screen sizes, and it'll do a lot more for you to help you kind of solve issues that you're having with auto layout. Having said that, I predominantly use auto layout and code which is a different approach again and the reason why i created masonry so masonry just makes it prettier is it just a nicer api on top of auto layout or is there more to it than that yeah that's pretty much um the gist of it so i guess apple has to provide us with the very basic frameworks and then i think it's up to third-party developers to put nice APIs around kind of the very low-level generic APIs that Apple provides. So things like AF networking, while they they enhance um, a lot of what Apple is doing, it's a lot of it is just providing nicer APIs and addressing more the common use case. So I tried creating using auto layout with Xcode 4 in code, and I ended up running away screaming from the pain. <laughs> I understand it's gotten better. Can you tell us like what the difference is between doing kind of a, at least walk us through like what it's like creating layouts, auto layouts in code and tell us how kind of masonry does things better? Yeah, I guess you've got two options um, when you create auto layout in code. So one of them is the most low level API, which is NS layout constraint and you create a constraint with item and then you have to pass all the different things you need for that constraint. So this method actually has seven parameters to it so that's quickly becomes unreadable for so for one constraint you need to call a method with seven different parameters so if you only need two of those you can imagine it it becomes quite verbose the other option is to use visual format language which is an ascii type string which you pass in which represents your auto layout constraint that you want to create and it's a bit more visual, but some people find that quite hard to understand. You have to translate all your views and give them names and pass those in as well. Uh, and it also returns you an 
array of constraints. So if you later want to remove just one of those constraints or animate just one of them, you have to sort through that array and it's quite hard to determine which constraint relates to which part of that ASCII string that you passed in. I think the uh, the auto layout visual format language is definitely preferable than just creating the sort of the object model from scratch because it's way verbose. If you imagine like all the things you need to specify when dragging a line from one view to the edge and specifying that it's a horizontal spacing constraint or whatever, doing that in code is quite wordy. Um, I think the visual format language is pretty nice once you understand it, but I think the problem is, is it's not discoverable at all. In fact, I know a lot of people don't even know about it. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. I mean, given that and that um, you can do a lot with the visual format language, what what made you sort of still want more flexibility or expressiveness with some tool, which ended up being masonry? I guess there's a couple of reasons. One, because I'm doing all my layout and code and all the view i don't use interface builder that means i want to do all the animations using auto layout and doing that with visual format language is quite hard and i also preferred not to use a kind of a string based method for laying out for creating my constraints so how does masonry make this better masonry uses the kind of object model way of um, creating your constraint but it reads like a sentence. So, for example, the syntax for creating a constraint relating left to the right of another view, you'd say make left equal to other view dot right. So if you come back to that in a few months, you can read it and understand what that constraint is doing. Whereas if you come back to one of the other low-level APIs, it's quite hard to get your mind around what that constraint is creating and uh, what it's actually doing. So it's a bit easier, I think, to read, which definitely increases like getting your head around the constraints and understanding what they're doing. Okay, it sounds like this is sort of fluent interface for doing the constraints. Is that, yeah, that's, is that for correct? Yeah, that's a good way of describing it, yeah. I guess that definitely helps with making it discoverable for other people just to see what uh, you could just chain things together to see what operations are even available. Yeah, definitely. So I guess it also gives you the option of, if you don't need the multiplier or the constant um, attributes of a constraint, you can leave them out. So it's uh, only what you need and nothing more kind of thing. Yeah, it's very cool. Yeah, I'm looking on the, the GitHub page, and it has an example where you have, you're passing a constraint, but the code actually reads out pretty clean. It's, you know, make top equal to whatever top with offset. So I think that's a very simple way of you know, explaining what you're trying to do and making it very readable. So yeah, I, I can agree. I can see why this would be valuable. Yeah, I guess um, definitely readability was my main goal with creating masonry, just um, to make it easier for someone else to look at the constraints I'm creating or to look at someone else's constraints. So I can pretty much understand them you know, just read them out and get my head around them pretty quick. Do you have any apps out there that you're using this with? I'm currently working on a project at the moment, but it's under NDA, but that's using auto layout through masonry. Oh, very nice. Does... I, I love those. I'm working on, I can't tell you. <laughs> <laughs> it's so amazing, your mind will be blown. <laughs> 
Now, does masonry expose anything that's not available from Interface Builder or not easily to do, easy to do? I guess it has uh, a few kind of composite constraints, which um, basically lets you create multiple at once. Say if you want to make all the edges equal to um, a certain view, match it exactly, uh, you can do that using kind of one line of code rather than creating four constraints for left, right, bottom, top, which is quite handy in terms of cutting down and also just increasing that readability again. So were there any design decisions that were hard for you to make or was this mostly pretty straightforward as far as how you wanted it to come out? Yeah, I guess one of the, I guess, most divisive design decisions was it's it's kind of used breaking convention in terms of the way it uses um, the dot notation. So it almost doesn't look like Objective-C because you're using round brackets. And as you guys would know, when you're um, writing Objective-C, when you're calling methods and stuff, you use square brackets. And the reason for that is if you're using square brackets, then you get into basically you'd have to name all the method uh, that method parameters that you want to call. So you're losing the benefit of chainability. I think you've alienated every longtime Mac developer. You've got dot notation, <laughs> you got auto layout, and you got cocoa pods. I think they've they've, they've already left the show. <laughs> if Andrew is here, I don't know. I don't know what would happen. <laughs> Can you write yeah. this with the square bracket notation, or is there a reason why you shouldn't? Well, I mean, I think you'd have the square bracket explosion on the left-hand side, and you'd have to, right? So that every time you want to chain one, you got to add yeah. another wrapping pair. And mm. if you're like a Lisp fan, maybe you don't care, but yeah, uh, it, it just really, really hurts the readability when you do that. Uh, I do like how, you know, the, even though this isn't really necessarily Objective-C style, it is isolated to a block, which uh, yields a like a builder object. Yeah. And so... You really don't need, like, I also have to applaud your use of prefixes for the categories. Uh, so, you, like, you start off making constraints with a, a specific view, and that is with a make constraints uh, method call, but that one has to be prefixed with your MAS prefix, uh, so it doesn't collide with potentially anything else that does similar things. But then once you're inside of that block, uh, the majority of these function calls all come from MAS Constraint Maker, which uh, since they all sort of yield the same object, I guess it's uh, every operation still returns the builder so you can chain them together. Then you end up having uh, an easy way to, uh, you know, this is definitely familiar to uh, Java developers because there's a lot of APIs like this in Java. uh, And .NET had, you know, similar... I would say there's lots of libraries out there that do similar things in a fluent way, uh, some of them being ports of Java code. But I don't know how familiar this is to Objective-C developers because this is inherently uh, sort of cumbersome with square bracket syntax. So even though it's different, it is isolated to the one block. So it's kind of like, oh, okay, I'm in like this new mode where I'm going to chain together some things. And you compare this two lines of code in your example with the, I don't know, 30 in the <laughs> 30 lines of code of how to do it with just NS layout constraint, you know, I'll take the shorter one, please. <laughs> and I guess um, going to your point about you're using, you're creating the constraints within that block, it also helps 
because you know that all those constraints are related to one view, whereas when you're creating it through visual format language or the lower-level syntax, uh, it becomes hard to tell which constraints relate to which view. So that also improves the readability. I noticed that when you're sort of storing a reference to these constraints, these are your own constraint class instead of NS layout constraint. Is that a subclass of NS layout constraint or how is that different? No, it's it's using composition instead of uh, inheritance. So the actual constraint is contained within that object as a property and that, that allows us, um, because at any point uh, within that chain, you could save off that reference. So it always has to, it needs to wrap that NS layout constraint rather than inherit from it. Okay, so then if you want to do things like, you know, at WWDC, Apple showed off a uh, an example where you have this, you know, nice auto layout driven interface, but then there's this new sort of view that comes into place somewhere and you need to be able to, you know, reshuffle your interface based on this new element that you're adding in. And so they showed off uh, the ability to create a constraint and animate it uh, so that you could say, okay, make room for the new the new instance and you can even make outlets for your NS layout constraints. Can you do the same thing with the, with this uh, system? I, I suppose you wouldn't be using interface builder quite so much, but I'm just wondering about like animating constraints or dynamically adjusting the constraints after you've created them. Yeah. So the main thing that you can change on a constraint is called the constant funnily enough. So that's quite easy to change um, with masonry and I guess the other thing you'd want to do when you animate is uninstall a constraint um, and add a new one. So those things are, have been taken care of, and you can do those things while you're animating. So if you're writing your constraints in code, what is debugging like? Are you just basically firing up the simulator and checking to see if everything lays out the way you expect it? Yeah, So and often you'll come across kind of the outputs in the console which will tell you if you've got too many constraints or not enough constraints and one of the things that masonry will help you with in debugging is each you can assign a name to each of your views Uh, so instead of getting memory reference so it tell you ui label uh, 0x37my you can say that's the message label that's um you know, the, the header view. So you can give names to those uh, constraints and they will come out in the console debugging messages. Like, for example, one of them is tells you you're unable to simultaneously set a constraints and it'll, it'll give you nice names for your different views rather than memory references. Oh, that's very cool. Is there any custom error reporting from Masonry or is it all the stock built-in stuff? Yeah, it's... That's all using kind of custom debugging names for each constraint. So it, it uses the built-in Apple error reporting, but when Apple goes, uh, give me the debug message for this particular constraint, Masonry overrides that and provides a new message um, with names. And you can name the constraints and also the views to give you a bit more idea of what's going wrong and where it's going wrong. Oh, very cool. So what has the usage been? I noticed that the GitHub repository has quite a number of stars and forks. Have you heard of this being used in any sort of major applications? Or you know, what has the, the general response from the community been? 
Yeah, it's been really good. I was quite surprised that it it's, um, seems to be used by a number of apps and also just the fact that the syntax uh, is maybe breaking a little with convention, but people seem to have taken up it up really well. And I've gotten a lot of tweets saying it's helped them understand auto layout or made auto layout easier for them. So that's quite encouraging. And it's been great to get pull requests and contributions from the community. So that's always nice to know people are using it and want to improve and help develop it further. So that's, yeah, it's been great. I noticed that, uh, you know, I mentioned applauding your use of the prefix for category methods because there's quite a few category methods that it adds to views. Then I noticed in the documentation that you have the shorthand define so that yep. if you want to run with scissors <laughs> or, or uh, yeah, uh, if you want to, you know, live on the wild side, I guess you could turn that off. Could you talk about how that mechanic is pulled off? Because, you know, it depends on define being set somewhere in the, you know, somewhere at compile time, right? Yeah, so by default, all the shorthand is off. When you turn it on, you can still use the prefix version, but all the prefix versions will, when you call the unprefix version, it'll just forward that message on. And that's that's just done. So in the header, uh, if you define that shorthand, then when it goes and imports all the masonry files, uh, it will switch on those using a ifdef statement. And are you using like an S forward invocation or is this, you know, is there some metaprogramming at work here? No, it's much more manual than that. So it's <laughs> using a, a macro to forward all those different methods on. Yeah, I think that's, you know, it's technically very cool and uh, it's good for the people who really can't stand the prefixes, but I would still recommend just to live with the prefixes. Uh, it's safer, uh, especially since the, the attribute names that you have for, for all of your view attributes, uh, left, top, right, bottom, leading, trailing, width, height, center X, center Y, baseline, any one of those could easily be a uh, something that Apple decides to define later on, and theirs might just be a float. <laughs> <laughs> you should create a new pod, make it really popular, and just throw that stuff in there. Just make like <laughs> yeah. You mean like 320? You can yeah. call it a framework. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's you know becoming more widely accepted, but there's so many pods out there that I'm like, oh, this is a cool idea, but I'm probably never going to use it because they didn't prefix their methods. There was a good uh, NS hipster that I should, uh, well, I'll save it for the picks then. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Do you guys have any other questions or thoughts? I, I'm kind, you know, I mean, I'm kind of out of questions. This looks like pretty straightforward auto layout code just a lot easier to read and write so I, i'm looking forward to trying this out in in an app uh, to see you know i also am baffled by auto layout a lot of times and uh, sometimes i will rage click that checkbox in interface builder to turn it off because it's doing something that i don't understand and sometimes you just need to get things done and uh, the the old way with auto layout turned on with springs and struts is so much of an easier model to to understand and there's definitely cases where you have to write code to handle like oh this label now needs to be larger because or smaller depending on the language or or whatever but in lots of cases i enjoy writing the sort of system of equations that 
you would get by manually setting uh, frames. And as long as you use descriptive variable names and constants, it's really also pretty expressive. So I, I'm still not just, I don't dislike the manual layout of views in code. Um, but certainly if I'm using auto layout, I will definitely look at something like this to, to make my life a little bit easier. Cool. Yeah, with the rumored kind of larger screens coming, I think this fall or whenever they're coming, I think auto layout becomes a little more yeah. reasonable. <laughs> it was kind of funny, you know, Apple had the iPhone 4 and 4S, and then around that time they, they said, hey, an auto layout, uh, and wink, wink, you should be using it, wink, wink. And then the next next year at WWDC, you know, they're like, okay, and iPhone 5, and by the way, we told you last year you should be using auto layout. So had you listened, your apps would probably be laid out correctly. I think also the variable text sizes helps a lot with that. So if a user sets their text size to larger or smaller, your interface can adapt easier if it's you know constraint-based. Yeah, and if you're localizing to German, then you need to add like 40 characters to every word and see how, <laughs> see how your app lays out. So are there instances where you would want to use just regular auto layout instead of the masonry pod? Or does this solve all the problems for all the people? Uh, I guess in the project that I've been working on, uh, I haven't come across the need to use, to drop down to um, kind of the more low-level Apple frameworks. Um, so I think you can, if you adopt it, it's better to stick to one method rather than mix all the different options within one code base so you've got some consistency. Um, so if you're going to go with one way, you may as well kind of stick with it and go with it. Yeah, makes sense. Are there any features that you're looking at adding to Masonry, or is it pretty well done until Apple updates the underlying structure that you're built on? So I'm always kind of open to any features that the community throws out there in terms of if they need more convenience or if they have an idea of how it could be easier to use or how it could build on auto layout a bit more. But at the moment, I think it's covering most of pretty much all of what you can do with the low level framework, but in a more readable way. So I think it's, it's built out quite a bit. So until up, Apple, you know, adds more features and we need to get parity with that and support those features in masonry. I don't think there's too much more to do on it. Yeah. One thing I thought I, I like about this is you've got the, you've got properties for the different priorities that are set by the system, which are kind of hard to find in an interface builder. I end up just throwing in numbers, I create my own random scheme and end up forgetting what my different priorities are. But I like the priority high, priority medium, priority low. So you can just chain it on your constraints. So I think that's pretty cool. Yeah. I think as well, um, what you said earlier about using constants, um, that definitely helps a lot as well. You can, if you define all your, your padding as a constant and then you can pass it into masonry, you can change it in one place. And that's one of the benefits of doing it in code. You can set one variable and then all your layout will change depending on if you change that padding from 20 to 40. Yeah, definitely. I've spent couple days this week trying to get pixel perfect images to line up correctly and yeah you do a lot of setting your variable setting your your floats for your offsets and how much past the actual image does this image go with transparent that you don't see so setting constants very helpful 
it's definitely helpful and it you know it's wordy and tedious or whatever but i mean you're at that moment you're burying your head in the problem of laying out your views which i think is a plus when you're just sort of clicking and dragging around lines perhaps you your brain isn't quite so engaged in exactly what you need for that layout so i think that you know the deliberate hand coding is i don't know can be thought of as a benefit the other thing I really like about doing it in code is that you can diff it really easily. So if you accidentally fat finger something, you don't have like a merge error that happens in like a storyboard, which you probably never find, right? Yeah. Um, those are the types of things which, you know, like you would being able to diff two versions uh, of a file and say, oh, okay, this is, you know, why the layout is messed up because I accidentally set this to 25 instead of 30 or whatever. So I don't know. I mean, there are definitely downsides to doing an interface builder. However, it certainly demos well. If you know what you if you know what you want, you can certainly click and drag faster than you can type them mm. out. Yeah, I guess um, you can mix uh, interface builder with masonry as well. So if you want to lay everything out in interface builder, and then later you could use masonry just to add those constraints that maybe you need to do programmatically, or you know if you're inserting a view depending on a button click you can do that using masonry and keep your main layout and interface builder awesome are there any other questions or comments or should we get to the picks i think we're ready i'm good i'm ready to auto layout (laughs) (laughs) all right cool well james what are your picks so i have two picks today one so we talked about masonry being kind of a instance of the builder pattern there is a blog post from two or three years back that help me kind of understand how to do a builder type thing in Objective-C. So if you're listening to our, our podcast and wondering, what are they talking about this fluent and builder type stuff? Um, I found a good blog post that kind of explains it pretty simply. It's called The Builder Pattern in Objective-C. It's by Eric Dornenberg, which I probably uh, misspoke. <laughs> <laughs> my second pick is, is a whiskey pick. So for my birthday uh, a week or so ago, my dad gave me a bottle of Russell's Reserve bourbon, which is... Very fantastic. Not terribly expensive, but maybe a little bit more than your average bourbon. It's uh, one of the wild turkey ones, which I haven't really done that much of. I kind of stick to the Jim Beam. I drink a lot of Knob Creek. But Russell's Reserve, very good. It's uh, kind of a rye rye forward bourbon, so there's good rye in there, good rye spice, but a lot of stuff that you like in a good bourbon. So I definitely recommend. Check out Russell's Reserve. Those are my picks. All right, Ben, what are your picks? Okay, so I alluded to my NS Hipster pick from earlier on namespacing, and I think it's just required reading for Objective-C developers, especially library authors. It's, I mean, we're building software that will end up in somebody's pocket and possibly never touched for many years, and software moves fast. So it's important to, because Objective-C lacks namespaces, uh, it's important to use prefixes where you might collide in global scope. And that's where all of our, our handy-dandy prefixes go or come from. So uh, anyway, go read that article and practice safe Objective-C library development. <laughs> the The next one is a movie pick. I recently rewatched True Grit. Uh, I, I did see it in theaters and I just watched it again. That's just such a fantastic movie. I really like it. It's full of quotes too. I was like quoting it on Twitter uh, repeatedly while watching it. Uh, the next pick is a, it's like a static site generator but it's more for like non-programmers, I would say, called Cactus for Mac. And it makes it easy to create a single-page portfolio or gallery or blog. 
And uh, Cactus is, I believe it was designed by some of the people who used to work at uh, Sofa, which is kind of like a famous development company uh, that got sort of uh, absorbed by Facebook. And now those guys are, they've done their two years or whatever, and now they're off working on cool new things. And uh, anyway, I like just the, the overall experience is really good. I don't have a site in mind for doing this, but the next static site I need to build, I'll probably try it out using Cactus. Uh, and then last one, I, I will also do a whiskey pick. I was recently, I'm not really a bourbon connoisseur. I like scotch. So a friend of mine recommended Noah's Mill bourbon, and I found it in my local specs liquor store, and it is super good. I made some old fashions with it. Only problem is, is it's like 5,000 proof bourbon. It's really, really potent. I don't know the actual proof, but anyway, it is, it, it'll sneak up on you, but uh, good for old fashions. So those are my picks. Awesome. I've got a bunch of picks. Last week, my wife and I went to the St. George area Parade of Homes, which was just, it was, it was a lot of fun. Um, St. George is a city in Southern Utah. It's about a couple hours from Las Vegas. Anyway, it it was fun. We we saw a bunch of houses and we you know, we get ideas for things that we would like in our house. So anyway, I really enjoy going every year with her and uh we usually wind up going around her birthday. Her birthday was on Sunday. So um terrific and a lot of fun. I was also doing some work for a client. We're building an application that he's about to launch and he was looking for a theme and we had built everything on Twitter Bootstrap version three. And uh, we were looking for an admin uh, theme for him, and I found one on startbootstrap.com. And so I'm going to put a link to that in the show notes as well. And then finally, I've been reading a couple of books. Uh, they're, they're really short books, and I've just, uh, I'm, I'm almost halfway through Running Lean by Ash Maria. And he kind of takes the lean startup ideas and, and gives you a little bit more practical advice on them. I recommend reading the Lean Startup book first so you get a real good idea of what it's about and and then go read Running Lean. The other book I read was Tribes by Seth Godin. I'd read it before, but I, you know, every time I read it, I'm kind of inspired to be a little bit more of a rebel. So anyway, so those are those are my picks. Let's hear some picks from Jonas. My first pick is uh, the Mantle framework um, for iOS and Mac. So if you're doing a lot of API calls in your application and you need to parse all your JSON models into Objective-C, this is really handy and lets you do that in a more structured, clean way. And my other picks are, I just recently got a new MacBook because my previous one decided to blow up on me. And while you're doing that, I guess you explore different apps and maybe you refresh some that you haven't used in a while and you look at other options. So instead of going for the Photoshop and Illustrator, uh, this time around I've gone for Pixelmator and Sketch, um, which I've found very cool. Maybe a little bit more lightweight than Illustrator and Photoshop. You can't do a hundred percent of the things you can do, but I'm not a designer. I just need to crop a few things or resize, um, a few things or save to different formats. So for that and a little bit of uh, very basic image touching, those have pretty much um, fulfilled my needs at a fraction of the cost. So that's definitely worth checking out if you need to do basic image editing, editing on, on Mac. Awesome. We'll be doing a book club book. Functional Reactive Programming by Ash Furrow. 
And uh, we'll put a link to that in the show notes as well and uh, remind you to start reading it so that we can talk about it here in a few weeks. And I guess other than that, we'll wrap up. Uh, thanks for coming, Jonas. Thank you for having me. All right. Well, we'll, uh, we'll catch you all next week.